0: You can go ahead and have a seat. Good singing this morning. What we want to do now is just take a moment to prepare our hearts to have a little time of, of prayer before the Lord. Uh, so just encourage you to bow your head, uh, close your eyes, uh, let's pray together. Father, as we come here this, this morning, we leave so many cares and worries of the week behind us. And Father, we, we just ask that you would help us to set our hearts and minds on you. It can be so difficult sometimes. um, But we are also just so thankful for the opportunity to be together, uh, to be here with your people, uh, to be reminded again, Lord, we need reminding so often of how much we need your word, how much we need just your daily presence in our life. Um, We just pray that you would help us to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, uh, we thank you again. It's in his name we pray.
1: Amen. It's good to have you here. One other thing, there is a, on that flap that's on the bulletin, uh, there is also a request for information or if you would uh, like to give us some feedback or whatever. So it's not just for those who would happen to be newcomers but if you're you can read it over and if you want to fill it out and I know we've had people that have turned in prayer requests and things and see we do pray for them when they turn them in so just want to encourage you in that way let's uh, let's look to the Lord in prayer Father uh, you are holy and worthy of our worship and our praise and our adoration and our service and so we come this morning asking that you would powerfully work through your word to communicate to us each individually what you want us to learn how you want us to grow we i pray i pray that we would see your word as the early church did for what it truly is it's the word of god and not the word of men that it might have its impact in our lives and i know in my own heart lord these things that You have been stirring in my heart. I pray that you'd continue to wash over my heart and each of our hearts with these truths so that they become part of who we are. So that some of the things that we've been singing would become the reality of our lives, that we really would want your heart. We would want you to lead us to those around us that we might share with them the joy that we find and have and know in you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I remember... It's been a few years ago watching a, uh, there was a TV show called Duck Dynasty and I watched an episode of this Duck Dynasty and this was one of the guys on the, on the TV show, okay? So uh, this guy's name is Psy. Alright, now so he's your kind of your uh, typical uh, outdoorsman kind of guy. And he's very unrefined, okay? So in this particular episode he was wearing golfing clothes, okay? So he was all dressed up to go golfing. And it became readily apparent soon after he began to open his mouth and to act that his his actions and his words defied his dress he knew nothing about golfing he was not ready for golfing at all okay he was not a not a golfer and in the same way it seems to me that there are many people who were professed believers people who were professing faith in Jesus who act and 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 their actions and their speech defies the fact that they're actually living ready uh, for the Lord's return and we've been in the gospel of Matthew and we're in the Olivet Discourse here at the end of Matthew in verses chapters 24 and 25 talking about the, the Lord's soon return and we've talked about the fact that he's coming back it's certain but it's unknown and because it's unknown we need to live ready well, as we move into chapter 25 verses 14 through 30 it's the idea of, yeah we need to be alert we need to be ready but here the emphasis is on diligence and then what it means to be alert and diligent at the same time what's that look like so how does one live ready And so we are turning to Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 15, where the parable of the talents is given. And in this parable, we discover living ready means faithfully serving and faithfulness and wisely using the resources God has given us until he comes back. And so we see, uh, we're going to look at, there's more there, and when I say this i don 't say that this is my words or the definitive words, but I see in here three ways the parable and the talents uh, stresses the importance of faithful service for the Lord in his absence and until he returns and so if you have your Bible or your device or if you want to reach under the seat in front of you and grab one of those Bibles or look around there's one near you I hope in Matthew chapter 25 I'm going to read verses 14 through 30 and then we're going to look at these three ways that stress the importance of faithful service I'm beginning in Matthew 25, verse 14. For it is just like a man about to go on a journey who called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. And to the one he gave five talents and to another two and to another one, each according to his own ability, and he went on his journey. Immediately, the one who had received the five talents went and traded with them and gained five more talents. In the same way, the one who had received the two talents gained two more. But the one who received the one talent went away and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. The one who had received the five talents came up and brought five more talents, saying, Master, you entrusted five talents to me. See, I have gained five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master." The one who had also received the two talents came up and said, Master, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I have gained two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master." And the one who had received the one talent came up and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man and reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. And I was afraid and I went away and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. But his master answered and said to him, you wicked, lazy slave. You knew that I reap where I did not sow, do not sow and gather where I scattered no seed. When you... Then you ought to have put my money in the bank, and on my arrival I would have received my money back with interest. Therefore, take away the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents. For to the one, to everyone who has, has shall more be given, and he shall have an abundance. But the, from the one who does not have, even what he does have shall be taken away. And cast out the worthless slave into the outer darkness... In that place there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. May may God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Three ways. Three ways that God reveals to us the importance of faithfully serving him in the absence of Jesus as we wait for his return. First, we see the assignment that we have been given. Very first verse, verse 14 of this section, for it, it is refers to the kingdom of heaven which we've been talking about in verses 1 through 13 the can actually all through the gospel of matthew but it is the kingdom of heaven it's the sphere of god's rule in christ that's represented by the the church visible the body of christ those who profess faith in christ some of whom are actually truly believers and some of whom are pretending. Some who possess genuine faith in Christ and some who simply profess faith in Christ, but they comprise the body of believers, the visible body of Christ. So we're going to kind of unpack the connection between the kingdom of heaven and this parable. First of all, the, the, the master, Jesus is the master. And if you work, it says the man. There was a man, okay? Then all through the rest of the section, it refers to him as the master. <laughs> so the man is the master. The master in the parable is Jesus, okay? Who entrusts his slaves, who are those who are part of the visible church, some who pretend and some who are truly possess faith in Christ. And so he leaves them with these Talents, and then he goes on a journey. And he's going to come back, but he's going away on this journey. All right? Now, a talent, which I found interesting as I, as I look at this, a talent is money, okay? But a, one talent represents 20 years of a common laborer's wages. 20 years. So one talent, if we... Uh, I didn't do this, but other people, commentators and stuff did. I trusted what they said, so if it's wrong, um, I'm just communicating what they said, and you can fault me for not vetting my facts. We're talking about somewhere between, in current money, three hundred dollars to $800,000 for a talent. That is a lot of money. And a lot of money that testifies to the graciousness and the goodness of God because the talent is what he gave to the soul. <laughs> the last one got the least five talents we're talking over a million dollars or 4 million <laughs> it depends on your math and two talents you know we're talking big time money here and so this 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 is a and what a marvelous thing cuz when you picture God the Lord Jesus Christ giving talents it's like and later it says oh you're faithful in a few things i'll put you in charge of many a few like several million is just a few for god it is for god it is and so these are the these are the the pictures and so The talents represent not just money, they do represent money that God has provided and given and provides for his people, but they represent the responsibilities that we have been given, like our job, our vocation, they represent the opportunities that God provides for us, the resources, our abilities, our finances, our health, our intelligence, and the relationships that God gives to those who profess faith in Christ that are to be used for him and for his purposes. So the church visible is likened to slaves that a master puts in charge of his possessions. One summer I was transitioning, I hadn't graduated from college, but I'd finished my semester in college and I had a couple of weeks before the job that I had for the summer was to begin and my father gave me charge, put me in charge of his farming operation for two weeks (laughs) because that was the extent that he thought I could be trusted with but so I I had to make a lot of decisions so he entrusted me with the responsibilities for two weeks God puts those who are the professed faith faithful those who are the church in charge of his possessions to be used for him to the one he gave five talents to the another two and to another one what's the source of the talents God is the source of the talents. The slaves aren't the source of the talents. So this is not about us, it's about God and what God has given. And the talents are not earned. The talents aren't deserved. The talents aren't even expected. They're just given. So what are those opportunities? As I was thinking about this, it's marvelous. What are the opportunities that God has given us? One of the opportunities that he has given to us has to do with where we are from. What is our country of origin? And I think about Creekside Church and we have people here who were born in Africa. We have people who were born in India. We have people who were born Southeast Asia. We have people who were born in Mexico. We have people who were born in America. We have people born in Canada. We have people born all over the, that's an opportunity that God has provided. God provides us a family. Some people in, the, in our church grew up in a family with two believing parents in a very stable home environment. Other people grew up in a single parent home. Some people grew up in a non-believing home. Some people grew up adopted. This is an opportunity that God has provided for us. Educational experiences. We have a vast divergence in educational experiences within the Creekside family and within the larger body of Christ, right? Travel opportunities. Some people have traveled around the world and some people have never been out of Polk County, you know, uh, or Warren County or wherever, you know, whatever county, Dallas County, you know, they've, they've just stayed close to home. So those are the opportunities. Then, and and, and, and some people have different Opportunities for exposure to God's word. Some of you grew up and it was just part and parcel of hearing the word of God as you grew up. And others of us, like, well, wow, well, we didn't even know there was a Bible until, you know, we got a little bit older. These are the opportunities. Then there are the resources that God has given musical abilities, athletic abilities, artistic abilities, intellectual capacities. You know, it's like, My my dad always says he, he was he's above average dumb, you know, so you know and some people are 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 very smart and some people are not. Some people are really smart and have no common sense, and some people have a lot of common sense but not very smart, you know. And so God has given us and these these resources. He gives us money. He gives us different degrees of health and ability in our our health. God provides us with spiritual gifts that differ. Some, God provides us relationships. Some are married, some are not. Some are workplace relationships. Some people have children and grandchildren and cousins and and neighbors we all have relationships these are all the gifts that God has given to us that he intends for us to use for his glory and the gain of his kingdom in the absence of Jesus while Jesus is in glory with the father waiting to return and he's entrusted us with these resources the opportunities and then he says each according to his ability which I find interesting where did they get the ability God gives us the ability, so God gives us the gifts according to the ability which he has given us, all right? And he's given to every professed disciple these opportunities, these resources, these relationships in varying measures as he deems fit for us to use for his glory while we're waiting for Jesus to come. And he also holds us accountable for what he's given. Now, some have greater gifts that are more desirable, perhaps, and maybe even more productive or fruitful, right? But notice the focus is not on the disparity, the focus is not on the differences, the focus is on faithfulness, on personal responsibility. It's what we do with what we've been given. You see, I find it interesting because in our culture, there's a big move towards we want equal opportunity, right? And then there's another swing to that. Some people are saying, well, we need equal outcomes. God doesn't really care about either. Not everybody has equal opportunity. I've been reading through the book of Genesis. Isn't it fascinating that, that Jacob, the lying, scheming, dirty dog Jacob, gets blessed by God. I mean, because Jacob the deceiver was deceived by Laban, his father-in-law, and all the time that, that God is blessing Jacob by actually, you know, the striped and the speckled and the spotted, they, 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 they end up in Jacob's camp and, and, and Laban's going, what's going on? You're stealing from me. Well, no, God's blessing him. Because he's such a godly guy? I'm not really sure. So how's that fair? So God really isn't, you know, ultimately, if you read the Bible and you look at these things, what makes Jacob any better than you or me? And he's blessed way beyond us financially. So here God is not really concerned about that. God doesn't entrust everyone equally. But he expects everyone to use what he has given responsibly and for his glory. And I find that freeing and fascinating. It's freeing because I don't have to be you. And you don't have to be me. We just have to do what God has called us to do with what God has given us. And we have this responsibility. And I put this, what matters is not what we have been given, but what we do with what we have been given. God didn't necessarily call the rest of us to start a school and a preschool in Haiti like he did Jude Gusma. God didn't ask us to start a youth ministry necessarily like our missionary Pablo Calderon is doing in Romania. That isn't necessarily what he's called you and I to do. God doesn't expect you and I to give as much money to his work and ministry as he does Kurt Warner who's made way more money than you and I. But what he does ask us to do is to be faithful with what he's given. Um, And I'll get to, you know, I mean, as far as, we can try to divorce the text here, the talents, only to responsibilities and opportunities and, and relationships, but he's talking about money too. Okay, that's one of those things that he's given us. And it's a sad reality that in the church, most of us are tipping rather than tithing. You know, Really, if, 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 if the church of Jesus Christ was tithing, <laughs> there would be no problem with getting the gospel to the rest of the world. Um. But anyhow, so he's, he, God gives us these opportunities and everything to share Christ and to provide an op- opportunity for us to be a witness to our co-workers, to our family members, to our neighbors, and all these things. So that's, that's what we've been entrusted with. That's what God has called us to do. This is the assignment we've been given. Now the action. What do we do with the assignment? What well, we see from the parable, there's two possible choices. Um, in verses 16 through 18... We see that you're either a faithful person or we're fickle. You know, we're either faithful with what God has given or or we're fickle with it. First of all, the faithful. Both the first and the second slave. What's the first word or the first phrase here in verse verse 16? First word in, in the New American Standard. Immediately. So... You get five talents you get two talents and the the one with the five talents and the one with the two actually respond the same way it, it says that in the same way verse 17 the one with the two responded the same way as the one with the five immediately they got to work they got after it it's like they took what they had and they got after it and they started investing it and using it so that by the time doesn't mean that they had like a you know, they weren't Bitcoin people, you know. They didn't go out and buy Bitcoin at cheap and then sell it when it was high, you know, and that was over and done, then they sat on the money. No, they, they worked at it and accumulated over the course of time. I don't know that for a fact, so don't quote me, okay, what I just said about the Bitcoin thing. But it seems to me that they were actually working the whole time until eventually they had gained those five talents and those two talents, 100% profit return, 100%. I think it did that right you math people is that right you know if they had 5 and they got 5 that's 100% or is that like 1000% i don't know double their money okay that's i know how to do that double their money uh so i'll have the cpas writing to me afterwards no this is a 1015% because they uh, actually got some interest on the money that no so they they got it okay doubled their money doubled the investment and they were faithful they use their resources to the fullest. And, and they're picturing what? They're picturing genuine disciples of Christ who, who, who dependably utilize the opportunities, the resources, and the relationships that God has given to us for God's glory and in and, and, and His service until He returns. You know, 1 Corinthians 4, it says, it, it, it's required of a man to be, be faithful. It's required of a steward to be faithful. And that's what God is asking for us before Jesus comes back, until Jesus comes back, is just to be faithful. Those with more opportunities and more resources, guess what? They're more fruitful. That's fine. I don't have to be them. I just have to be me, right? But he expects all of us to be faithful. Not necessarily fruitfulness, faithfulness. So think about Billy Graham. He has had way more opportunities and way more resources to reach people with the gospel, to evangelize people, than our brother Norb or our brother Anand. And he, he's seen a lot more fruit come down from his, his ministry than, than these two brothers or any other brothers I would want to mention. Sorry, I didn't ask you before I mentioned your names, but I'm mentioning you anyway because I know you have heart for evangelism and I know that you do evangelism and I know you're sharing the gospel. And the Billy Graham has been bar more, far more fruitful, but he hasn't been any more faithful necessarily. And that's what God wants, is, is our faithfulness. All have been faithful. Then there are the fickle. This is verses verse 18, the fickle, but, notice, you can circle that in the text, but, contrast, absolute contrary to the faithful is the fickle. What did he do? Immediately, well, it doesn't say that, but he went out and dug a hole and buried the money and covered it up and waited till the guy came back. (laughs) Here you got yours, I stuck it under my mattress, kept it safe for you, He's, professed, he, he's reflecting professed believers who basically don't do anything with what God has given them. They, sit, they get all they can, can all they get, and sit on the can. Okay. That's it. They're nothing. They're, they, do, they don't do anything. They don't use their resources. They don't use their opportunities. They don't use the, the relationships to advance the kingdom kingdom of god did you know and this is not a new statistic for some of you and i mentioned this at our elder retreat yesterday that that 20% typically 20% of the people in the church give 80% of the money and do 80% of the work that means 80% of the people are doing nothing that's not a good thing if you look at this parable now you would say, "Well, yeah, but we do stuff outside the church. Uh, yeah, uh, sure, okay, I got that. You know, there's there's other ministries besides what's going on in at, at your local church. But the reality is, uh, it's it's sad, and that may not be the truth. I haven't done a study, and you know, I don't know what you give, so you can relax. Uh, it's fine. But here's the deal: we did a survey recently for Creekside Church. You know, we wanted to see how people are." Uh, participating in ministry in the church and ministry in the community and what they're doing to volunteer and to see how we can encourage people to be more actively involved in reaching out to our neighbors and friends less than 40 percent of the creekside family completed the survey i hope more than 40 percent actually go to the website and participate in the in the meeting by voting okay uh, but that, that that's just a sad commentary so I want you to take a moment and think about what are the opportunities God, ask yourself this question, what opportunities has God given me? Okay. Where were you born? What kind of family were you raised in? Now you say, well, it wasn't a good family. So that's a bit, no, that's an opportunity. Because God's got you, and if you're one of his children, then he took you from that family brought you into this family brought you into his family so that you can be useful bring others into his family it's an opportunity because you're able to reach out and minister to people that people who grew up in a good nice christian home they'll your family's never going to listen to them oh yeah you goody two shoes what do you have to say to me But if they know that there's somebody who didn't grow up in that kind of a godly home and they came to faith in Jesus and their life has been transformed and people who in that not-so-healthy family look at them and go, what's up with you? Well, let me tell you what's up with me. His name is Jesus and he's made a difference in my life and he wants to make a difference in your life too. Think about what opportunities has God given you? What is your educational level? Your educational opportunities, your travel experiences, your family, the congregation that you're a part of here at Creekside, relationships, life experiences. What life experiences has God given you? These are platforms. Somebody said, and I've said it before, how long did it take you to prepare the sermon? It took me 61 and a half years to prepare this sermon. Because I'm telling you, My dad put me in charge of his farming operation, which was a life experience that I had of being the slave in charge of the master's possessions. You all have those experiences too. It may not be on a farm. It may may be on a mission field. It may be in a a business dealing, it may be in the backyard with your neighbors, it may, you know, whatever your, that's the opportunity that God has presented. What are the resources? What is your health condition? Well, it's not really very good. (laughs) Well, I know that's true for for a lot of people, but it's still your health condition, and God has given you the resources of your health for his purposes. He's given you finances for his purposes. He's given us time and money, and spiritual gifts for His purposes that He wants us to be using. He's given some of us faith in Christ as a gift of God so that we can talk to others. He's given some a very godly heritage, not to be frivoled away or wasted, but to be used. He's given us people who pray for us. You know, when, when people say, well, I'm praying for you, pastor, there's nothing that's more important than you can do for each other than to pray for them. And to really believe that God's going to do and work in those prayers. Material possessions. And then ask, am I faithfully using what God has given for his kingdom? I just visited one of my good friends the other day on the phone. And he and his wife have traveled five times overseas in the height of the COVID craziness to do ministry and mission work in some very, very difficult countries of the world where you can go to jail uh, if you're openly proselytizing people with the gospel. And he said, he said you know, retirement. Uh, Satan keeps whispering in my ear, retirement, retirement. You know, keeps whispering in my ear. You know how... And he says, but, but there, there's, such a, there's such a high of seeing new believers... And people come into faith in Jesus Christ. We just don't want to give that up yet. We just don't want to give that up yet. I'm thinking, what are we doing for Jesus? That's the the assignment we have given. Then then there's, how, how do we act on the assignment? And finally, there's going to be an accounting. And that's what we find at the end, verses 19 through 30. And it says in verse 19, now after a long time, which kind of goes back to the, Previous parable, right, of the the ten virgins, where it was they waited and waited and waited, and then finally, when they weren't expecting it, the Lord returned. So this is a, a hint that maybe it's going to be longer than we know, but we don't know for sure. Okay, Hints that it may be a reminder of the need for prolonged faithfulness. <laughs> I'm tired, you know. Come here on Wednesday nights, and you don't think you don't get tired, you know? Uh, spend about two hours with us on Wednesday nights. And you're going to go, whew, I'm glad it's a whole week until next week, you know. And he says, here's the deal, two two groups, verse 19, he says, and after a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. Now, you accounting people, you're going to track with me on this, right? So all you finance guys, it's like, oh, accounting, Uh, we're going to have an account. And so there are two groups. Again, there's the faithful slaves, <clears throat> verses 20 through 23. Now look at verses 20 through 23. And the one who had received the five talents came and brought the five talents and said, Master, you entrusted five talents to me. See, I have gained five more. He's, he's glad to present his report, you know. Profits are up, you know. Uh, it's a good return on your investment here. And And so he did it. And the report is that the same with the the one that had two towns, right? Basically the same, same result. Doubled their money. And they represent professed believers who manifest. Now get this. They manifest through their faithful service, genuine faith in Christ. Their faithfulness, irregardless of fruitfulness is a manifestation of their their faith, that that they've done all that God has entrusted to them. See, see, I think about this, like, I don't know that any of you ladies, and don't take this wrongly, I don't think any of you ladies are going to serve the destitute poor in Calcutta, like Mother Teresa did, you know? You're not going to have that ministry, probably, all right? But, but, And you probably, most of you are probably not going to become a sought-after speaker on the Christian women's circuit. Probably not going to write some book that's popular in the literature that Christians are going to be reading. Maybe, probably not going to be a renowned musician on the scale of some other Christian artist. But, but, you may just get married and lovingly and consistently care for and support and respect your husband. You may embrace a career that you're faithful to all your life. You may be simply staying at home and not, I say simply, not that that's less, but you may be wiping snotty noses and changing diapers and Uh, working to teach your children about the true gospel of Jesus Christ and educating them and praying for them and serving them. You may be serving in the ministry of the church and that's equally valuable in the kingdom of God. It's not about fruitfulness. It's about faithfulness with what God has given you and where God has placed you. Equally commendable before God. Now, what's the reward? And it's Not an accident that the wording in verse 21 and the wording in verse 23 are exactly the same because there are three rewards that come to faithful servants. First, there's the commendation. The positive rewards confirm that the faithful service is what it means to live ready. The commendation well done, good and faithful slave. This is God's applause. Marla and I went to the Urbindale show choir thing a few several weeks ago, I guess it was. And when when they get done, you know, everybody's applauding. Well done, good job. This is God's applause. He says, good. That speaks to your character. Good is there's a good character, so God is concerned about our character. And then faithful has to do with our conduct, that we've faithfully conducted ourselves in a way that's representative and and, and pleasing to God. They've consistently invested in what the Master entrusted to them. Believers are to live now, to gain God's applause, not to gain the approval of men. We live now to gain the applause of God, not to gain the approval of men. Then there's a charge. We're going to give you more. And again, I love this. It came. Quick. You've been faithful in a few things. Again, remember what a talent is: <laughs> three hundred to eight hundred thousand dollars. You've been faithful in a little. Well, and the guy that got the three hundred to eight hundred thousand just a one. He wasn't faithful. <laughs> So it's the guy with five and the guy with two. These guys were faithful. You've been faithful in a little, I'm going to put you in charge much. What does it mean? So that in glory, in the millennial kingdom and in the the eternal kingdom, those who are faithful servants of Jesus Christ are going to be working. Entrusted with more. That God wants us to be using. We're not just going to be sitting around, you know, whatever, uh, you know, soaking our head. We're going to be doing stuff because God made us to work. That's part of who we are. See, pain and labor came as a result of the fall, but labor came before the fall. Work is a good thing. And in our culture, we treat it as a curse. No, the pain and difficulty in work is a part of the curse, but work is that's why you sit people on their duff and let them do nothing. You're dehumanizing people because God made us to Work. And to impact the world. Sorry, that's a separate sermon. But I get a little amped up about it. Um, I think it's part of our culture's problem. Is we've not taught people God's perspective on work. We reward laziness. God judges it. Doesn't mean we have to be workaholics. Okay, That's another sin. But anyway. So, side note. But God entrusts us. Just as dependable slaves are given more responsibility, so too faithful disciples in the kingdom of God are given more responsibility. Many things. Then there's communion. This is enter the joy of your master, the master's joy. It's probably a reference to what we mentioned last week: the the marriage supper of the Lamb in Revelation chapter nineteen, and Matthew chapter twenty-two, and, two and twenty-five, ten. That inaugurates his rule over over the earth during the millennial kingdom and and over ever. You see, that both the first and the second slave received the same reward indicates that for believers, faithfulness, not fruitfulness, is the issue. So, you know, one person, you know, you know, some people have the gift of evangelism and they're sharing Jesus with people. You know, you take Micah Tuttle and everybody, it seems like everybody he talks to, somebody comes to know Jesus. And you're going, well, what's with that? Praise God. God's gifting him and God's blessing him and he's also faithful to share the gospel with people, which oftentimes we aren't. Because he's opening his mouth. He's praying, God, you open, open their hearts, open my mouth and, 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 and give me the words to say. And so it's okay. We enter the joy of our master. Nothing could be sweeter uh, to our ears or soothing to our souls than for Christ to say, well done, good and faithful servant. And then to experience the joy of our master. The rewards that are provided are supposed to be an incentive for us to keep faithful in the meantime, right? And, and, and to act out of love, not duty. This is not, oh, suck it up and do it. It's pray for God's heart. We just sang about it. What? Pray for God's heart so that he would lead us to people that we can tell and, and share with and show the love of Christ to. Then there's the fickle slave. And what's the report? <laughs> well, just like every fake follower of Jesus, uh, he was more concerned and motivated by fear than he was by faith. It dominates his life. He he was afraid, you're a a harsh and difficult master and I'm afraid that, you know, I I didn't want to do anything to upset you so I just buried your money and now here's your money. He blamed God for his inactivity. Right? And, and, And he demanded rather, you know, that God do something rather than owning his own fault. God was to blame for his delinquency. No, God's not. None you see his reward. It's the opposite of the others. So the others are commended. He is condemned. Look, if you will, at verse 26. But his master answered and said to him, you wicked, lazy slave. What did he say to the other ones? Good, well done, good and faithful. You wicked and lazy. So here's the condemnation rather than the commendation. Like every pretend believer, he, he's ignorant of who God really is. He doesn't see that God is a God of justice. God is a God of mercy. God is a God of grace and kindness. There's no joy. There's no worship. There's no engagement that, that God is worthy of my worship. When did not we just sing about that? Worthy, you know, worthy are you. And holy, 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 and I lift my voice, and I surrender my life, and I give my life for you. Why? Because He loves us. Not because we have to do it in order to gain heaven. No, our faithfulness is the the manifestation of our faith. Not the means of getting into heaven. Understand that faithfulness in serving the king is a manifestation of our relationship with Christ. That's why he says you didn't use it, so you're out. <laughs> he was condemned. And then, uh, then his talent was confiscated. Rather than doubling it and rather than being given charge over more, what he had was taken. A healthy fear of the master would have prompted the slave. The text says, well, if you knew this about me, then just put the money in the bank. Think about that for a moment, will you? If you had $300,000, would the first place you think about investing it is in the bank at 0.01% interest or whatever it is? No, but I'm telling you, at 0.01% interest, $300,000 over the course of a few years would still yield you some money. Wouldn't keep up with inflation, but it would keep you some, give you some money, right? And he says, that's what you should have done. So we're going to take what you have. His failure showed his flaws. He represents, he, he represents pretend believers who lack faith and never use what little Christ has given them for his purposes because they don't know Jesus. They don't know Christ. Verses 28 and 29. He says, therefore I take away the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents for to everyone who has shall more be given and he shall have an abundance but from the one who does not have what he does have shall be taken away. See the faithful who prove who prove their genuine belief in Christ through their consistent fruitful service are given more. They get everything. But the fickle slave who proves their lack of genuine faith in Christ through their inactivity and lack of service, everything's taken away. That's a sobering thought, folks, especially for those of us who are playing at church, for those of us who are pretending to be believers. We know the words, we know the actions, we know what to do, but we really have never yielded and surrendered our life to Jesus Christ. This is not game time. This is serious stuff. Gain everything or lose everything. The faithless who prove their unbelief through inactivity lose everything. And then, notice the last part, it gets worse. He was condemned. He had stuff taken from him and then he's cast out. Not welcome in to enjoy the joy of your master. No. Go out. He's banished. See, the master is harsh. He is severe to the wicked, to the rebellious. But he's gracious and loving and wants people to come to repentance and come into the family. But when we reject him, when we rebel against him, he eventually will cast us out. He said, the worthless one-talent slave is cast into outer darkness. This is hell, okay? I mean, there's no way to slice it. This is hell. This is the, the, the eternal conscious torment, all right? And you can see it in Matthew chapter 22, verses 11 through 13. The plight of the faithless, it's the plight of the faithless, not merely that he was unfaithful. It's not just that he didn't do a good job with it. It's that he didn't have faith at all. And so he's, he's cast out into outer darkness. John said, this is the message we have received from him and, uh, and, and declare to you that God is light. And in him there is no Darkness at all. He's cast into outer darkness. Which means there's no light. Which means there is no God. Which means this is hell. And the, the, the conscious, unrelenting, physical torment, which may pale in comparison to the conscious, eternal, emotional torment of being separated from God and living with regret and remorse all of eternity you don't have to believe me but that's what Jesus says and he is not messing around he is so gracious and so forgiving and so loving he wants you to be part of his family. He wants those of us we know, all of our family, all of our friends, all of our neighbors, he wants them to come to surrender. But they have to surrender. And then if they do, they will live faithfully in light of his coming. But if they don't, there is only one thing that awaits them. Nothing is more glorious than to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. There is nothing more gut-wrenching and gruesome and gross than to be cast into outer darkness or him to say as we saw in 2512 I don't know you I don't know you so professing Christian don't go to hell get busy don't be lazy with what God has given if you're truly surrendered, haven't truly surrendered to Christ, then repent and believe. Get ready. (laughs) I said this before. We need to get ready. That means we need to be in the kingdom. And once we get ready, then we can live ready. Then we can be in a right relationship with him. And then we can use and invest these things for the sake of the kingdom. Your faith will be evident in your usefulness and your fruitfulness and your faithfulness to the kingdom. Believers, it's a challenge to examine our hearts and say, well, are we using the resources, the opportunities, the relationships that God has given to us for His kingdom? Not that we are necessarily going to be out of the kingdom, but just God, out of love for God, we would serve and give and, and, and use what He has done for His glory. Alertness does not mean abandoning our normal activity or you know climbing up on a hill and waiting for Jesus to come back. No, it means to get in the game. And to share the gospel and show the love of Christ and to share the love of Christ with a lost and dying world and to serve Him faithfully, faithful stewardship of all the opportunities. And, and Jesus reveals to us His heart through the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 58. He says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast and immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing what? That your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And and our diligence is a loving response to what Jesus has done for us. And we remember what Jesus has done for us every time we take these these little cups and and take the wafer and the juice, which symbolize his body broken and his blood shed for us, so that our service is not, oh, you have to do this because the pastor said, if you don't do this, you're going to go to hell. No. We do this because Jesus died and paid the price so we don't go to hell, and we act and service and faithful service to Him out of our love and appreciation for His mercy and His grace. And we want to see other people come to know Him too. And so, remember this, Jesus paid it all. All to Him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, and He washed it white as snow. So as you prepare your heart, my challenge is that you take a moment or two, and if you have any sin in your heart that you would God would reveal you'd confess that sin and get right with him and then you're welcome everyone here who knows Jesus as Lord and Savior to take the the little wafer you got to peel back the first uh, plastic and then you have to peel back the second plastic to take the cup you're welcome to take it but as Jesus said told the disciples after he had given thanks he broke bread and he said this is my body which is broken for you This do in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, this is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for your mercy and your grace. And I pray that if there's anyone here who's really just playing games with God, who's really not, there, they may be a professed believer or a pretend believer, but not a true believer, that you would touch their heart and they would just... In the quietness of their heart, cry out and say, okay, Lord, I've been playing games with you, and right now I just want to surrender my life. i want to confess my sin. I accept your death as the payment I deserve, and I want to be uh, your child. I, I, I surrender my life, and I want you to be my Lord. And those of us who know you, Lord, search us and know our hearts. Help us to be more faithful with the opportunities, the resources and the relationships you've given us for your glory and the gain of your kingdom, we pray it in Christ's name.